Hello and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Patch, a podcast about gardening and self-sufficiency. From growing food to flowers, house cows to hens, this podcast is going to help you get the most out of your patch of dirt, no matter how big or how small. And I'm your host, Shannon Crocker, a gardener, farmer, self-sufficiency dreamer, a person who loves to make the most out of my patch of dirt and helping others do the same. Hello everybody and before we jump into this next episode with our lovely guest, I just want to talk to you about Bardi. When I was contacted about Bardi Fertilizer, I was really interested in testing it out on my garden. Sustainably created with ingredients from black soldier fly larvae in the breakdown of food waste, it immediately piqued my attention. A rich source of chitin, which helps plants be stronger and naturally better at defending themselves against insects, this fertilizer also has 240 million microbes per gram, 10 plus trace elements and accelerates germination, growth and increases your seedling survival. You can find Bardi at Bardi.com and if you type in a country mum in all capital letters, that will give you 10% off and postage is free over $50. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Patch and today we have another fantastic guest speaker on. We've got Siobhan. Siobhan, how are you going? Good. Hi, everyone. Um, Siobhan, can you tell us where can we find you on social media? So my Instagram handle is at that underscore girl in the garden. And she's got some lovely pictures there and she's growing a lot of very, very yummy looking vegetables. How <laughs> how long have you been gardening? Um. That, yeah, I really, I was trying to think about that the other day when you asked me to come on the podcast. I was like, when did I start gardening? I really can't remember. I have vivid rem- memories of a small child asking mummy if I could have a garden um, and she let me plant some snapdragons, I believe they were, in front of our cubby house. Then as an angsty, moody teenage girl, I don't think I really did anything um, gardening-wise and I think it all really started once I finished uni and I moved away from home and I had these little terracotta pots that mum gave me and I put like 10,000 herbs in them, Um, obviously tiny, tiny pots. They really didn't thrive all that well. Um, I killed a lot, (laughs) but I carried them around with me to every house that I moved to. I had these little terracotta pots with herbs and I also tried strawberries, failed miserably. I don't even think I cooked with any of them. I just was... I just had to have them with me Um, and I've still got the pots. I've now got flowers in them and they are thriving. So I have, I have um, gotten a little bit better. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's that innate um, need to grow things. I think gardeners have, don't they? And to have something living with them. Yeah, absolutely. Like even I moved to the UK for a couple of years and I would buy their little pots of herbs. So I didn't have any like pots or anything there, but like the little like plastic container pots that you have um, that we can get from the supermarkets here, I'd grow them and I'd harvest the little herbs that I was having and I'd put them on the windowsill and hopefully they would regrow and survive. And some of them actually did. Um, So even, you know, I had those over there and when I came home, it sort of escalated. 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And so uh, for our listeners, where you're in Victoria, aren't you? Whereabouts are you in Victoria? What's your climate like there? Yeah, so I'm in, I guess it's northeast Victoria, so probably the easiest location to sort of figure out where I am. So we're near Aubrey-Wodonga um, on the river. So we have a very interesting climate in that the summers are typically, this is a very atypical 12 months we've had, um, typically we get smashed with the heat in summer, um, so like always usually above 35 to 40 degrees majority of our summer. Um, and then it's fairly freezing in winter. So we're about an hour and a half from the snowfield. So we get frosts, it's below zero at night. But our days in winter are actually usually quite sunny. So we sort of get that sun, but it's still freezing. Yeah, wow. Okay. Bit of a mix, um, which is a bit yeah. tricky with gardens. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and look, I feel you, we get a bit of that as well here. No snow. Um, and mm. our winter days warm up nicely, but we get quite good frost in the morning and, and mm. we get the heat in the summer. And it, it is, it's tricky. It's tricky to be able to garden in those conditions and to be able to pick plants that are going to, to survive those conditions. Yeah, absolutely. So then in your garden then, um, and we'll get onto the veggie growing in a bit, but aside from the veggies then, what, what plants do you find thrive throughout the year in your garden? I guess our soil here is red rock hard clay. So that is quite limited. So apart from my, my veggie garden is pretty much all raised. Anything that's in the house garden, it's literally just all very hardy shrubs. Um, quite a, like a few little flowering shrubs. We've got some bulbs that sort of just sit in the ground and sometimes I'm not sure how they can actually break through the hard clay to um, flower but just anything that's super super hardy and drought tolerant because we yeah it can be really tricky in summer yeah absolutely and so then tell us about your veggies uh, I guess we're you know we're in February at the moment we're rapidly heading towards autumn although it doesn't feel like that here it's been quite hot um, yeah. but what are you what have you got going on in your veggie garden at the moment and what have you got coming up so sort of wrapping up towards the end of the season, but it's also we can sort of be still quite warm well into April. Um, it's getting a bit tricky at the moment because our nights are actually quite cool. So we've had quite a warm probably two weeks above 35 degrees. I think it's settled down a little bit and we're about 31. But our nights are getting down to 10 and 11 degrees at night, which is really tricky for your summer veggies to sort of keep going. So everything's slowed right back. My tomatoes, I was picking like huge big boxes weekly and now I might only go out there and get a handful um, here and there. My eggplants and capsicums, they're actually really liking the weather at the moment. My corn's finished, so I've pulled all of that out. Um, my zucchinis, they're ticking along nicely. Um, and I really didn't have a great cucumber year this year. So I planted a second round of cucumbers. So they're just starting to sort of start to fruit. So hopefully the cold nights really don't affect them. But we're still getting the really nice warm days, which is helping them along. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so what do you, you know, with veggies then, what are your favourite things to grow in your veggie garden? Uh, a little bit like 
everyone tomatoes are crack for gardeners so I actually I really love growing tomatoes ironically I don't really like eating them a lot um (laughs) I love cherry tomatoes but I love the thrill of the big varieties getting them really really big and my nan and I um my nan's 92 we have a competition every year who gets the first tomato um I did actually win this year for the first time but I didn't tell her I didn't tell her that I'd beaten her, so I let her beat me. Um, oh, I love but that. But apart from that, like I – broccoli is probably my favourite vegetable. So over winter I, I sit there and I pine for nearly three months waiting for my broccoli head to finally get there. Oh, and how good do they taste? Like homegrown broccoli? Oh, so much better. I don't think you can – yeah, you can't really even grasp. Like my brother came and got spinach from me the other day and he goes – oh, it just tastes so much better. And I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Can I have more? And I said, yeah, there's plenty more out there. Go for it. Yeah, no, it does. It's it's in that grow container. Go for it. (laughs) And do you have a specific type of broccoli that you like to grow? Um, Whatever's in the nursery. I'm typically usually not organised to grow seeds. I start my seeds too late or I kill my seeds. So uh. <laughs> I love that. I love it. It's awesome. It's honest. And it, it is you know, like, and, and I'll be honest, it, it can be difficult when you start seedlings and then you transfer them over and try and get them up and then you have something or eat them or you forget about them and, you know, for a day or so and they die, like they can be, they yeah. can be tricky. They're like, I guess they're like babies, aren't they? So they Absolutely. do need a bit of a love, extra love and care. So getting them from a nursery is a, um, is, is good because they've done all that hard work for you. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I grew most of my summer seedlings this year, um, but, my gosh, it was a lot of work. I got myself a little lean-to greenhouse and I was in there like day and night, after work, before work, potting up, making sure they were watered, staking them. It was a lot. So I've got some winter seedlings in now. I've got about 25% germination rate, so (laughs) that's not going great, but that's okay. Um, The nurseries are always at my fingertips. Um, I am going to try and buy just the punnets of like the younger seedlings rather than the advanced because you get the advanced seedlings and they're about 4 or $5. And I like to grow a lot of broccoli. So by the time you put 20 plus broccoli plants in at $4 a pop, it's really just not worth it. Yeah, um, absolutely yeah, right. I'm try and grow, go for the little ones, pop them up and see how I go. But fingers yep. crossed my seedlings come through. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, when it comes to broccoli, last year I grew a variety. I got it from Diggers. Um, it was called Waltham. Um, yep. And it was a great one because it wasn't, it had, like it had a main head and then it had heaps of side heads. So yeah. you could pick, you could, you didn't have to pick the whole thing at once. Um, and yeah, so I thought it was a really nice variety. So I've got some of them up. Um, I planted some of them a little while back and they're ready, nearly ready to go out to the garden, but I, I need to, I need to get in. I haven't spent much time in my garden either. It's looking very neglected and, um, <laughs> and I need to get some more seedlings, seedlings up and going as well. But um, I had, amazing germination rate with I did some more beans and these yep. things just leapt out of the ground in a couple of days I've never seen anything like it um, oh my beans failed this year oh no did they <laughs> um yeah I'm so stunted and I think I got three beans and I was like oh well next year yeah <laughs> but you just everything's different though as in you, you you know and I think this is the thing with gardeners and is that we're always optimists and so yeah. we go, okay, well, this didn't work. What can I do better next year? I mean, 
this year for me, I have an absolute failed watermelon vine. I've got a lovely vine, but absolutely no watermelons on it whatsoever. Um, mm. <laughs> and it's they are surprisingly tricky watermelons. Oh, it's yeah. It just I don't know. And and passion fruit vines are my nemesis. I cannot yes. grow passion fruit to save myself. I have a beautiful vine and no passion fruit. Ah, so, so my only tip with passion fruits because I've killed six. Um, I don't know if it was the soil. I don't know where if it was where I planted it. I've tried multiple times. So I was lucky on my sixth attempt. So lucky I was <laughs> very persistent and I was very determined to have a very big passion fruit vine. I actually planted mine in a very large pot. Yep. And there it's you the go. only thing that's grown. Never, never, never buy a grafted one because you will get rootstock everywhere and it can be the bane of your existence for years. Yeah, but I put it in a pot and it's absolutely thrived. It can be a bit tricky with watering and the hot, hot summers, but um, a pot is my trick for getting yeah, an actual passion okay. fruit vine. There you go. Well, I I made that mistake exactly that you said. I bought a grafted passion fruit vine. <laughs> I planted it on a big tank stand that has nothing else on it, and it went ballistic. Like this thing grew up the tank stand and then started yeah. to take over the tree next to it. Yeah. Um, and I got not a single passion fruit off that bloody thing. And it was huge. Um, <laughs> flowers though. Oh, they're gorgeous. And they're, they're, and they are, it is a nice vine. Um, and yeah. for anyone listening, they are, tend to be a hardworking vine. So then you're not going to get the longevity out of a passion fruit vine that you would say out of other creepers, um, mm. and, and vines, but they are great while you've got them and they're good for screens. They're, I've got, um, I've got two now, um, they're down on the chook chook pen fence and they create yeah. a really nice screen and shade um but yeah I just keep eyeing them off every year going well come on you know I'm waiting for some fruit so anyway <laughs> I keep my fingers crossed so I'm, I'm, maybe this year will be my year look mine's full of fruit and the weather hasn't been kind to it so I think my first one's I've got one that I can see that's just starting to change color and start to wrinkle and I've just got thousands of green fruit Oh, wow. So yep. I'm not hopeful. My nan's fig tree, it hasn't even had its first ripe fruitings and usually she's done by now. So if I'm believing my nan, which is usually right, we'll get no figs and no passion fruit this season. Oh, maybe. Do you think it's because it's been quite cool down there for your summer? Yeah, it's been um, – I, I complained about it at the start. I was like, oh, I can't wait for summer to come. And then we've had two weeks of hot weather and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I'm finished with it. Uh, yeah, but we just haven't had that constant hot weather, and because we get the big variance in daytime to nighttime temps, I really don't think that's been helping. But I've slept really well, so that's great. Yeah, well, there's always there's always positives. Hey, yeah. Um, so if you were to give some advice to some to some newbie gardeners, because we have we have all all sorts of gardeners listen to this podcast. We've got people that want to start. We've got people that have just started. Um, and we've got people that have been doing it for years, but yeah. you know, I, I try to always have a question each week, like each time I'm, I'm interviewing someone, you know, just advice for that new person starting out. Cause it can be overwhelming, but it's oh, an absolutely. amazing thing to get into. Uh, what would be your advice for someone that's listening to this podcast today and thinking, yep, I, I'd really like to start doing something, or I'd like to plant a few veggies. What would you recommend? What do you recommend they start with? Probably just starting like just scaling it right back, figure out what temperature zone you're in. So you can actually find out like zone, I think I'm zone 9A or something like that. So find out your zone and that'll help you figure out if you're like a temperate, cool climate, 
tropics, subtropics, or there's a, a lot of them. So figure out what climate you're in to start with. Uh, one important thing is to, if you can remember when your first and last frost is, if you do get frosts, a lot of plants are quite frost sensitive. So you've either got to protect them from the frosts or wait until in theory you should get your last frost or before your first frost. And then the thing that I didn't do when I planned the garden is your sunshine. So where does the sun come up and hit first and where does it sort of sit and hit last? So basically my garden gets more afternoon sun than more morning, which is not ideal when it comes to 40 degree temperatures. So if I had it all over again, I would move it to the other side of the house or move the accidental tree that I planted that blocks the morning sun um, to block out the afternoon sun. So look at yeah, where your sunshine is in your backyard, particularly if you're in town, just look at what parts of your backyard get the most sunshine um, in winter and summer and go from there and just start from the basics. It all comes back down to soil health. So if you've got good soil in the ground, plant in the ground. If your soil's not that great like mine, really hard clay, I really suggest having a raised garden bed and you can do that in many different ways, shapes and forms. It can be as basic and I guess budget friendly as you want or you can do it as extravagant as you want. So always do it within your means but soil health is probably the best um, tip. If you've got good soil, it's the right pH and you've got the right amount of nutrients in it, they'll just thrive. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Soil health and sun are, are such important things. Yeah, and, absolutely. And um, especially, you know, especially for your vegetables, you know, um, obviously during your winter period, you're going to need a fair bit of sun on those veggies and they're also going to use a lot of nutrients. So sometimes people don't really think about it, but if you've got a plant that's providing a heap of food and they're putting a lot of effort into growing growing these um, fruits and veggies, they're also using a lot of nutrients. So you've got to make sure got to make sure that you know that soil is has got those nutrients to begin with and also that you're replacing those nutrients that they're using they are hungry little suckers never underestimate how hungry some vegetables can be and that's another thing like not every vegetable is as hungry as others so like your carrots and I think is it carrots and radish I can't I'm not that great at growing beetroot um, or radish I've only just mastered the radish ironically (laughs) everyone says they're great for beginners and my nan laughs at me all the time because I failed them miserably but I've grown (laughs) some radish so not all is lost some veggies don't actually like a lot of nutrients so if you can figure out if you've had like tomatoes they're really heavy feeders and your brassicas they're super heavy feeders too with your crop rotations, if you can sort of pop something in that's not an overly heavy feeder to give the soil a bit of a break too and, you know, you can't just keep putting your heavy feeders on top of heavy feeders on top of heavy feeders and just expecting them to grow. So plant yeah, food absolutely. is essential. And it comes in many different shapes and forms and it's so overwhelming when you walk into a, a nursery or the big green shed and you're sort of faced with all these options. You're like, where, what do I do? Where do I start? And it is overwhelming. And, and one of the things I... I think 
you know, could be done in nurseries potentially uh, because, you know, you go in and they'll have seedlings there that should not be planted at this time of year in this area, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes I think having some sort of sign up that says, you know, plant these now, um, I, I think would be, well, not only great for the for the gardeners, but also, you know, if you've got a heap of people going, oh, look, this is what we should be planting now and I want to give veggie, going, veggie growing a crack, well, I'll, I'll buy some of these. Um, yeah. I think it would be a, a win-win for the nurseries as well um, just because, you know, it gives people more, um, I guess, um, confidence in themselves because, you know, if you go into a nursery and buy something, take it home and it's the wrong time of year, of course it's not going to thrive. And then for a newbie, that could be a bit of a, oh, well, that didn't work. So, you know, it could be a little bit of a dint in their confidence where if, if you've got at least the right season, the right plant for the right season, um, you know, it's, it's a big help. Absolutely. It's very overwhelming. And, you know, we've all been there. We've all planted something a little bit early or the frosts have snuck up on us and absolutely fried oh. everything. <laughs> 100%. Like I said, to be a gardener, you have to be an optimist because you've got to yeah. give everything a good crack and, and, and look at you with your passion fruit vine, you know. Um, you know, sometimes you've got, you can be determined and you'll get it in the end. It's just a matter of working out what's, what's, what it needs and and how yeah. to sort of how to get it there and positional as well like it because we get the frost it doesn't really like the frost so I've popped it somewhere where it's actually quite happy get some sunshine it's protected in the winter um, my chooks love it it's just yeah it's really happy where it is but also when you do go into the nurseries don't be afraid to ask a question a lot of the um the assistants in the nurseries are actually really knowledgeable and particularly to the area that you're in some things just don't grow like I was in I think I was in the big big green shed the other day and there was a dragon fruit I was like oh that's interesting and then I I just kept walking and I was like I'll go do some more research and I went to one of our independent nurseries and I was just having a look at a couple of things there and I had to get some more fertilizer and I said, oh, what's the thoughts of dragon fruit in this area? And they said, oh, if you, unless you've got a greenhouse, I wouldn't bother. And I was like, oh, but I do have a greenhouse, so maybe I can try dragon fruit. Yeah, give it a, yeah. Give it a crack. Give it a, give it a crack. There, um, I've got Absolutely. one in the garden, actually. It came from my, when my sister and brother-in-law were living in, um, up in Cairns. Mm. And they, I, they gave me a coconut palm from a coconut from their garden. And a, and a bit of dragon fruit. And the dragon fruit's still going. Unfortunately, I lost the coconut palm in the drought of 2019. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, yeah, and I should have kept it in a pot. I had it in a pot and it was growing great guns. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, I'll get it out into the garden. And then we hit a massive drought. And, yeah. Um, but, um, but, yeah, I think, I think that's it. Knowing what, what works and some things don't work. Um, for example, um, we have bull water. It's quite salty. I. Yeah dream of having a crepe myrtle like a, a row of beautiful different colored crepe myrtles um yeah yeah no they hate my bull water I've tried several times they don't like <laughs> it at all so I've had to give up on that dream unfortunately yeah um having said that though I am I really would like to get one of those water conditioners for our bull water and uh, you know there's a lot of different options out there so it's a you know you never know watch this space um, absolutely we can always dream Absolutely. I dream of a cottage garden, but a cottage garden in extreme heats and clay soil just it's not doesn't work. No, <laughs> it's a bit unfortunate, isn't it? Um, but Siobhan, tell me about your veggie garden. 
what do you do you have raised gardens um how does it look what do you what do you have so I've got quite a large growing space I think in total now I'm up to about 50 square meters um, worth of growing space I just kept adding to it it's way too big for the amount of time that I have so because of the hard soil and the red clay I have got raised garden beds so they're sleepers untreated sleepers from bunnings that are two sleepers high so they're about my knee height and I've got some little black they were called wicking beds I got them from the Am I, am I allowed to say Bunnings or the Big Green Shed? Yeah, yeah. For yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no. Uh, so I don't, I I don't from... have any sponsors, so everybody can say anything. <laughs> yeah, so I got them from Bunnings. They're not big, but I've got the, my strawberries in them. But I did drill a few little holes in the bottom for drainage. I wasn't sure how they'd go with, like, the wicking side of things. So I've got a few of those. But I was really keen to try wicking beds. So I contacted a guy. I could have done it myself, but I didn't have time and – I just wanted someone to do it for me. Um, (laughs) So I have got three IBC wicking beds. I've got two up and running at the moment. This is my first summer with them and everything seems to be thriving. I accidentally planted a perennial um, basil in each and it's kind of taken over. I've got to figure out what I can do with that basil, but I just keep trimming it and feeding it to the chooks. Yeah. I've got some beetroot in them. I've got an eggplant. I've got corn. I've got my failed beans in it and a borage. And everything seems to be thriving and quite happy in there. So I, I've i got those two as a trial. And just because of our extreme heats, I thought if these work and I'm happy with it, I might replace some of my raised beds with some more wicking beds just to try and save the water situation. Yep. And then because I'm always wanting more, and I have become a bit obsessed with flowers. I have got a few extra little raised garden beds so I can grow some more flowers. And I've, I think I've got nearly 30 dahlias in at the moment. Um, oh, yeah, so they're just starting beautiful. to flower yep. and try and survive the spider mite infestations. So, yeah, I've had to go up with my garden beds. The only catch with raised garden beds is I actually think they – use more water than anything else and I don't have a watering system I'm figuring the watering system out because we use river water it's quite quite dirty and um, it's really really hard to get the watering system set up so I've got a few filters that I'm trialing at the moment and I think I'm going to have to set up some IBC tanks as some water filtration system so fill them up let the sediment settle and then have a separate pump to uh, monitor yeah of course because the... it would just yeah I could see that the sediment would really block up your your any sort of watering system that you have yeah even like some of the filters so I've got a few different brands of filters and sizes of filters that I'm trialing like sometimes just the sediment that comes from that and we've had quite a well, we've had a lot of flooding this year. So the rivers are still, it's still recovering. It's still quite dirty and it hasn't quite settled down yet. So I think we've got a bit more sediment this year than we have in a long time because I'm cleaning out the filters almost, I think every two days at the moment. So hand watering, but I'm super glad it hasn't been a really, really hot summer because it's been a little bit easier to manage. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, anybody that's been listening to me for a bit will know I am a massive advocate for the wicking bed. Yeah. Um, and, um, and yeah, we get very hot summers here. And honestly, I've found all of my veggies have just thrived and kept moving forward. And they get full sun. Um, I put my, my veggie garden, when I shifted it down to near the chook pen, I shifted it there in the, like, so that the, especially the winter veggies could get more sun. And I figured that I could always put shade up over summer. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, but it it is, they are great. I, I'm about to get some more. Um, I'm a bit like you, you know, you can't just have, I've got six of them and now I'm like, I think I'm just going to have to add a, (laughs) a few more in there. Um, There's always room for more. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. There is always room for more. And now just quickly before we wrap up, um, you have a dairy cow or you have a couple of dairy cows? I do. So we started with one buttercup. She was a beautiful jersey. She wasn't overly suitable for the house cow situation. She She liked her calves too much and she couldn't handle locking them off for a few hours. Yep. So we ended up just she's just runs with the mob now so she's had a few calves we hand raised the ones we've got at the moment so we've got diamond and ruby oh lovely they are jersey cross um they're either dairy shorthorn or swiss brown i can't figure out which one so we bought them as week old calves so we've raised them from hand it wasn't really in our plan time with really time poor (laughs) work and the farm and the garden and everything else we're very time poor so it wasn't in our plan but diamond unfortunately lost her calf this year she had a huge big udder and then ended up with mastitis so as to sort of help treat the mastitis and help get rid of the mastitis we were milking her out and then we literally just put her in the crush one day and we're like, oh, we should, you know, try and milk out to sort of try and ease her mastitis pain while we're treating her. And she didn't kick. She didn't do anything. She's like, I'm getting pellets. This is the best. So we had also in the meantime tried to get an orphan calf for her, which she rejected. So then we were sort of left with a cow with a lot of milk and an orphan calf. So we just started milking her regularly. So we've had to milk her twice a day because she won't let the calf suck so that we could keep this calf going. And we then also had a cow. She calved and rejected her calf. So Diamond has supplied us with milk when we need it and we've been milking her twice a day to feed these other two calves. But Ruby, we were bringing her in on the the odd occasion if we needed a bit of extra milk. Um, But Ruby actually then sort of adopted the orphan calf um so she's currently got the two calves and we just top the second calf up with a little bit of extra milk if she needs but they're all thriving and happy they're getting their pellets and we've got our big man sumo our shorthorn bull in there with them at the moment so they should hopefully be in calf oh fantastic that sounds great and so do you do you drink the milk yourself as well yeah, so I'm a little bit lactose intolerant, but I can, I cope with raw milk a little bit better. So I grew up on a dairy farm. My grandparents had a fully fledged dairy growing up. So we grew up on the whole milk 
for majority of our lives. Um, And then when we transitioned from sort of the whole raw milk to the store-bought stuff, I didn't really agree with me. So I haven't had a lot of dairy products in my life for a long time, but I've just started to experiment with drinking it again. So we drink it. I've mastered the art of ricotta, which is so easy. And I got some cheese making kits for Christmas. So I just need to sit down and have a good look at all of them. And hopefully I will start making some cheese. Yay, absolutely. Yeah, making your own cheese is is fantastic. That is, I just find it really fascinating that you were fine on raw milk growing up. And yet when you went to store-bought milk, something in that's changed. That, to me, that's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think I'm alone. No, um, I don't think you would be either. No, but yeah, I've always found it really interesting that I was fine as a child and then it's just all of a sudden I just, I couldn't have it. And then, yeah, I've started, I've just a little bit, I'm a little bit nervous to go have a full milk coffee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a part of me, because I haven't had proper milk for so long, I had it, I tried like a small milkshake not long after we started doing it and I almost cried. I was like, I just don't think I like it anymore. Oh no. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. I, yeah. I, um, yeah, I had to go off milk products. Um, my youngest was, was actually allergic. Um, and so when I was feeding him, I had to go off milk products and, and I'd always been a couple of glasses of milk kind of day kind of girl. And yeah. I've never actually gone back to that. Like I'll, um, yeah, I, I mean, I love my, I have milk in my tea and I'll have the occasional glass of milk, but I definitely have not gone back to where I was before. Yeah. Like we were a chocolate milkshake a day, sort of kids growing up. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't sort of gone fully fledged back there and I sort of weaned myself onto black coffee. So that hasn't helped my adding it to my coffee but yeah slow and steady but hopefully some more cheese to come and I will be able to enjoy it with cheese absolutely that sounds fantastic so you've got chooks I remember you saying got chooks and you've got cows and you've got your veggie patch yeah Um, anything else you want to be adding to your repertoire I did have bees um but I sadly lost my my hive struggled a little bit with the wet season that we've had and the flooding so when the river floods, a lot of the gum trees go into survival mode because they actually don't like wet feet and they didn't really flower as much as what they should. And with how wet it was, the bees didn't have a lot of travel time. So I was just sort of keeping the hive just ticking along and I hadn't put my flow on. I have a flow hive and I hadn't put my flow on yet and we – went and did a check and everything looked fine and we went away on holidays and we came back and I was like oh let's go put the flow on the bees seemed very happy last time and you know it's a bit better season and unfortunately the wax moth had moved in oh no and so I lost my hive but I'm going to try again so I'm going to wait until um I think I'll wait until October this time I'll grab a get a nucleus in October so that I don't have to top them up over winter and um, all that sort of stuff. So I'll get everything organised and I'll get a new nucleus in October and hopefully we can harvest some honey. Oh, well, fingers crossed for you. If it's a good season, a nucle, they grow so quickly. It's amazing how quick a, a good, a good decent-sized nucle go if you get one at that start of, you know, in spring. Yeah, um, 
They, I was panicking that they were going to swarm and split and I, I'm a bit new to the beekeeping so I got someone to come and have a look at it and help me and he's like, oh, it's really not ready, not a very strong hive and I was like, yeah, I've just tried to let it keep ticking along and he's like, oh, you really need two and I was like, oh, my goodness, I don't think I could handle two. <laughs> Yeah, um, oh, yeah. I think I don't. I think every beekeeper ends up. I started with one and then ended up with two. And <laughs> um, <laughs> they they are amazing though. And I wish I could have them, but just where we are here, I have a huge wild hive just down the bottom paddock. And yeah. because pretty much my garden and the sheds are surrounded by cultivation, they have to fly a fairly long way to get other food as well. And yeah. there was just too much competition in this one area. So I um, I gave up the bees and replaced them with cows. Um, yes. But I had them for a few years though, and I really loved them. They were, they were really interesting animals. I loved having them in the garden and um, interesting to work with as well. So, I yeah, I wish you all the best with that. I hope you get back into it. Fingers crossed and just to, um, because I'm not busy enough, we'll have uh, our sheep starting to lamb soon. So I'll probably have some orphan lambs <laughs> <laughs> running around at some stage. So, oh, yeah, love it. farm life. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, how good is it? Yeah, look, it's full on, but I probably wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, absolutely. And there is nothing, there is nothing better, I think, than having homegrown food. Um, oh, Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Unless I've named it, then we're not allowed to eat it. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Siobhan. I've really, really enjoyed this chat. It sounds like you have a lot going on, but you're enjoying it and you've given us some really good tips, I think. Um, And I just, yeah, wish you all the best in your upcoming growing seasons and with your cheese making and beekeeping. And I'll be watching your Instagram page with interest. I love I love seeing what you're up to on there. And um, if you're listening to this, definitely go and give her a follow on Instagram um, and you can keep up with what Siobhan's been up to. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It wasn't as terrifying as I thought, but we've made it through. <laughs> we have. Well, thank you so much, Siobhan. You take care. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Grow Your Patch. In the meantime, I would absolutely love it if you jump over to our new Instagram page, Grow Your Patch, and give it a like and a follow as I will be sharing content from these episodes on that platform as well as sharing other tips and tricks. Have a good one.